following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Wednesday, December 5th. I'm Josh Dunn. I am joined by Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer. Gentlemen, uh, it's official that Anshu's coaches cannot stay employed. Anshu, how are you? I'm good. I'm like all my coaches. They're all <laughs> they're all done. How's it going with you? It's going well. We'll definitely get to that. Uh, Dan, how you feeling? I know Baker came back to earth this past weekend. Wow, that did not take as long <laughs> as I thought it would to get to your first Baker dig of the day. So shout out to you for making it a full 12 seconds into the show. Hey, you got it, buddy. Got to got to come back at you with it, but uh, it's almost as long as Dan went before he had to leave the show randomly last week. So Facts. well done. That's only. Uh, well, we 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 talked about Anshu's coaches. He's not the only coach that's on the move, and Urban Meyer is going to be on the move by his own accord. He decides to call it quits uh, and retire here after this season. He will coach the Rose Bowl for Ohio State, but Urban Meyer officially retiring as Ohio State's head coach, and I've talked to several Ohio State fans about their thoughts on this, and it seems to be kind of mixed feelings. Um, so, Anshu, I want to start with you on this one. Obviously, you know, you have, you have a, a, a very close fandom in the Big Ten with Wisconsin because you went there, uh, so you've watched Urban Meyer's coaching career very closely. Uh, what can you say about what he was able to do for this Ohio State program, and then where do you think Ohio State goes from here? Obviously, we know who the coach in waiting is uh, with Ryan Day, but uh, where do you think this program will go uh, after after the season? Well, um, you know, I, I think that as a Big Ten fan, Urban Meyer was just an amazing coach. I mean, he goes seven and zero. He wins, I think, five out of seven years of winning his division and one of the best divisions in football, like in college football, if you look at the Big Ten East, and I think before that it was the Legends division or whatever it was at the time. But when you think of Penn State and Michigan and Michigan State, those are, you know, Penn State totally evolved from what came out of the Joe Paterno stuff and came back to what it now is, which is kind of a football powerhouse again under James Franklin. Also had to deal with Bill O'Brien for a while. Uh, you know, Mark D'Antonio, one of the best coaches in the country. I mean, it, it, it's been rough and he's just dominated it. And of course, beating the team up north, as they always say there, you know, time after time after time under his watch is the most important part. Plus, he wins a national title with Ohio State over the vaunted SEC, which looked like it was just never going to happen again. I mean, it's been nothing but a, a success on, on the field, but you know, there's no denying that off the field, you know, his legacy is complicated heavily by what's happened this year uh, with the Smith stuff. And then, you know, the obvious, which is like as fans in our generation, I think we all think of Urban Meyer as kind of a faker. Like, I mean, w- what are the headaches like real? Yeah, he has a cyst on his head. But like, 
it seemed like he picked very random times where the cameras were directly on him to like collapse to the ground. I don't want to, you know, you just, you don't know how serious it is and how not, but he left Florida for the Ohio state job. What did he think that that was going to like suddenly get better? You know, he left for health reasons and it seems kind of ridiculous that he left like after Tebow and all those other good players left. So it's kind of one of those things that his legacy gets complicated by the fact that, you know, that we don't necessarily see him as a super genuine dude, I don't think. But on the field, production is undeniable. Yeah, the tail of the tape, 82-9 and nine overall record. He was 7-0 and oh against Michigan and three Big Ten titles. Uh, also, you mentioned it, Anshu, the, the national championship. So, Dan, you know, Anshu talked a little bit about Urban Meyer's health issues, and obviously that's been something that, you know, plagues him, especially when they're losing. And, uh, you know, we don't want to say that he's a faker necessarily, but it, it, like, like Anshu mentioned, the timing is, is a, a bit interesting. There have been some teams thrown out there that he could come back and coach like the USC's of the world. I mean, do you think he takes a year off, gets healthy as he can, and, and then comes back and coaches major college football again after this year? Yeah, 69,000% chance he takes a year off and he's coaching at USC uh, after uh, next season. You think season. it's USC I mean, regardless, or do you, you you think he's back coaching? I, I think USC, I think it's he's back coaching regardless. Uh, or maybe it's two years if there's a better job that's – in the wings. But uh, I mean, that USC one is the most probable. That's probably the biggest hot seat coming into next year. You have our, our returning quarterback. I think it's three returning wide receivers. I mean, that USC stack, the USC team is stacked and ready to go for next year. So if they don't go on and do big things, it's time for a coaching change. And it's coming in really fast. And if you're urban Meyer, I mean, that's a pretty great gig. It's another elite school, another school that you can kind of bring back to prominence, quote unquote. I mean, why Why would you not go there? And I know you don't want to call him a faker. I'll 100% say I don't believe any of this. I will 100% go out and say this is this is crap. I mean, I, I honestly think Ohio State told him that he had to retire. I think this was a uh, we're going to give you three games because our fans are going to go have an absolute meltdown if we just straight outright fire him. And there's obviously the legal issue of whether they could or couldn't fire him uh, and how much they're going to have to pay him. I think – there was some backroom deal that said you have. We're going to give you three games. We're going to suspend you, uh, but you're also done after this year. You can come back yeah. and coach, but you're done. So I 100% think this was a forced way out. And and fortunately, if you're you know, fortunately or unfortunately, if you're Urban, this is a little bit boy who cried fake health issues. I mean, once you do it once, once you do it once, uh, why would people not believe you're going to do it again and use another health issue? I mean, if, I think if you would have just said. If it was anything other than a health issue, uh, you know, say, say that he wanted to, like, take a break and spend more time with his wife. I mean, like, just make something up. Uh, well, I guess he might be making something up. Make something else up uh, to to, <laughs> to come out. I mean, this is just – it's so ridiculous. I can't stand it because I have to live in Ohio and I have to hear all these Ohio State fans and, oh, whoa, is Urban and he's just a great guy. It's like – with all the cover-ups, and not only did this once, he did this at Florida too. Stop protecting the guy. He is an asshole. And I don't know why everyone has to keep pretending him. End of rant. I, I've got. I've got to say. I mean, you're taking an interesting stance, and I know you're not necessarily an Ohio State fan, but there's a lot of diehard Ohio State fans that are listeners to this show, and they're gonna they're gonna take the exact opposite position on this. I mean, and I'm not saying that you're wrong in the fact that he's faked injuries and I think it's been kind of one of those things that that, that we've used as 
you know, but material all year to talk about, you know, the fake injury, the faking uh, the, of, of the health when he, when he's losing to Purdue. And in that Maryland game, he looked like he was having a heart attack every time something bad happened to Ohio State. Uh, so, so I think that there's, you know, some, some truth to it. But at the same time, Anshu, I mean, he said, I believe I will not coach again in his press conference. I, I, I believe that there is a very, very small percentage chance that that's actually a fact. I agree. Uh, Dan, first of all, a spirited effort there. That was, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Thank I, you, sir. Uh, I was trying to hedge it. Like, you know, I don't think that he's necessarily faking the headaches and stuff, but I just, I think that's kind of like the stereotype of like thinking of his legacy. That's something that people are naturally going to associate with him, you know, like whether it's, and it's not, I'm not saying Ohio state or Florida fans. will. actually Florida fans probably will, but people around the country definitely will just is what it is, you know? And then that's not to mention like all his players, all the stuff that he's had. Chris Rainey was a disaster. Aaron Hernandez, obviously Tim Tebow has been a little bit controversial, like obviously less on the field or whatever, but it is what it is. But I think that, you know, as far as urban Meyer, the future coach goes, I'm going in a different direction. I think if anything, he would go to the pros. I don't necessarily see him going to USC or to Texas. First of all, I think USC is grooming Cliff Kingsbury to take that job unless they are just a disaster. There's no way that Kingsbury commits to being USC's offensive coordinator today before the NFL comes open without having sort of a tacit understanding that he may be the, you know, the heir to Clay Helton next year if things go south, especially for that defense. So, um, but I could see Urban taking, you know, an NFL job. I know that he's a big recruiter, but, you know, if he does have health issues, guess what a huge part of the plate, you know, being cleared would be, and that's not having to recruit anymore and just being able to focus on the pros. And, you know, there's a lot less pressure, I feel like, for for a guy like Urban Meyer um, in going to the pros as opposed to having to, you know, just do everything be like the czar and the dictator at the college level so i think that's something to watch out for in the next two years i I don't hate the thought of it but i disagree that there's less pressure in the pros i mean your 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 leash is much shorter in the pros there's coaches that could be fired after a year and a a couple games like we've seen oh yeah uh you know with Hugh jackson but also the the pressure of college football i think is worse I, i mean you lose one game like they did this year you're potentially out of an opportunity at a national championship that's what and, i mean oh, oh okay i thought you were saying the opposite i got you okay so yeah no, i'm, I'm on the same page with you there yeah i think the pros are like there's just there's limited expectations for a guy like urban meyer and i mean if he comes to your college you're expecting national championships period mm-hmm. that's what he's done at his last two stops and you know that's that's what a team in college would expect a, a uh, an nfl team would just kind of be like hey you know what Urban, you know, everyone knows he's a college guy. We're taking a shot on him. Let's see what happens. You know what I mean? Like a team like the Packers probably doesn't hire him, but say like the Jaguars or some random team, like what happened oh, to the Bengals. With the Dolphins? <laughs> Please, <laughs> oh, God, my no. God. Oh, man. I didn't even think about that possibility. That's hilarious. Uh, I would not know. be faking an injury. I think I would just off myself. <laughs> he would He would go there for a I decade. So. Perfect um, place to go cover up more bad behavior, though. True. Uh, there we Health go. wouldn't be um, an issue. You'd have no stress worrying about if he'd still be the coach the following year. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, no, I think he's I think he's a super fascinating case. So if you guys had to guess um, if he was oh, like a two years from now, two seasons from now, is he coaching or is he in the booth? Which do you think he, it would be? Coaching. Coaching. Wow. Okay. I, I tend to agree, but I think that it's, you know, he said that he's – 
Probably not, but he also answered all his questions today at his presser, which I unfortunately watched quite a bit of, where he was kind of like hedging the whole time. So well, I could see like him going like the athletic director route like Jim Tressel did after he had the kind of falling mm-hmm. out with uh, some of the issues that he had. I mean, he's going to be involved somehow. Um, but, yeah. You know, I just I, – I don't know. He could take uh, – you know, I, I, this isn't obviously as popular, but Larry Karras kind of stepped down as the head coach and gave the reins to his son with the Mount Union program that I'm so familiar with, and he still was very involved in the program. I just worry, you know, because why would you leave the job that you at least say that was your number one job that you wanted so badly if you're going to come back in a year? That's the only devil's advocate thing that I would say because I think he would have wanted Ohio State to be the team if he was going to coach somewhere. At least it I feels that way. I think Dan's right on with that, though. I think that he – I don't think it, this was his call. And yeah, oh, I can see that. Press I think he was super resigned to his fate. I think he was pretty sad. Had he won a national title, he could have kind of rode off into the sunset. But because he didn't, I think he'll have that itch that he wants to scratch. I, I just I, – I wonder if he'll be forced kind of to go to the pros because it's hard. He clearly did love Ohio State and does love Ohio State. So I think it'll be hard for him to go somewhere else after, you know, coaching there i i the only thing i see for him realistically is going to the pros we'll save the more in-depth coverage of this for a future show but uh w- just give me a quick what do you think ohio state's record will be next year under ryan day both um, of you guys i well they their her schedule gets a little bit harder um they have to play they have to they get to play wisconsin at home next year which will be a change of pace because they haven't done that in a couple of years but ryan day was pretty good this year in in mob up duty granted Urban was obviously looking over his shoulder all week for those three games, but they they played Bowling TCU. Green, Oregon State, and TCU is ranked okay, at the time, fair. weren't they? Yeah, um, they were. So, but I no, I, I allegedly Ryan Day was a hot commodity, so I'm guessing that he's not bad. If they bring back Dwayne Haskins, they should win ten games again. Um, but if they don't, it's going to be a lot harder to maintain that. I think I'm going to say nine and three. I think this is the year that Michigan will get them, and I I know that you know. If he if they do end up winning next year, everybody's going to continue to talk about how great Urban Meyer was. That's an Ohio yep. State fan, and that's going to make me even more nauseous than if they would just win again. Uh, but Dan, what do you think? Where do you think they end up? I don't know. I honestly think that they could go undefeated. Their non-conference schedules: FAU and Cincinnati uh, and Miami don't of Ohio. Sleep on the Bearcats. So, <laughs> so those are not exactly the most world's difficult of non-conference opponents. And, uh, you know, you got to figure they're still going to be favorites in the big 10. So I, I could see them winning, uh, you know, making the college football playoff next year. Okay. Could happen. We all, uh, we're all a little bit different there. I like that. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, um, keep an eye on Ohio state going forward, but I did want to move to your guys' pride and joy here, uh, the, the major league baseball. So we had a couple big moves here recently. I know you guys touched on the Segura trade, uh, I think you guys talked about the Cano trade as well. Uh, but I did want to talk about the big deal that happened here uh, with Patrick Corbin signing with the Nationals, a six-year, $140 million contract, bigger than the Darvish deal that we were, we all know so well here in Chicago uh, from a year ago. So, Dan, let's start with you here on Corbin. The Nats really spending money on that rotation, and they've said that they will still consider bringing back Bryce Harper if he's willing and the deal looks right. What do you make of the Washington Nationals? Obviously, they haven't done well in the postseason, but they're clearly in win-now mode. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the move you need to make if you're the Nationals, uh, continuing just knock it over that NLCS hump. Uh, it is a lot of money for a guy who 
he had Tommy John a couple of years ago, um, and really his first, I would say, stellar year uh, was this year. I mean, he's been he's been a very solid pitcher, um, but this was his first year where he, he was dominant. You know, he's in the Cy Young conversation, uh, first All Star appearance. I mean, this was uh, this was his first big time year, and so it's it's a little risky giving this guy that much money. Plenty of people who come off Tommy John and have long extended careers after that. Maybe that's all he needed. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's risky. Uh, it is a lot of money that they now have committed. We were talking about this in our uh, group chat earlier. It's a lot of money that the nationals have committed to that starting rotation. And as uh, it's, it's a little weird just cause you're still trying to resign Bryce and you don't know what's going to happen. I had early on said, I thought there was no chance that Bryce was coming back. Uh, but the longer this goes, the more I think it is likely, but, uh, as Anshi pointed out, it's it's pretty unlikely you can afford Bryce if you, with this contract as well. But um, you know, it's it's a great pickup for them. It'll be your slot, a very very good third starter. Uh, but it just doesn't seem like where you need to be spending your money. Anshi, with all the recent movement here in this division, I mean, do you consider the NL East the strongest division in baseball? Josh Donaldson goes to Atlanta. Hopefully, he's healthy. You know, Segura gets traded to Philly. Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz go to the Mets. I mean, where do you see this division stack up with the others? Uh, it's definitely the most improved division so far. But um, and then you know, if you throw in Harper and Machado going to the Phillies potentially, then then you're really talking. I mean, it's at least very very interesting. I, I don't I don't think that's what's going to happen. And I, I just still think the AL East is insanely good at the top. And and even you could argue the Rays are really good too. So. Uh, I would still lean towards a division that has the Yankees and Red Sox right now, but um, you know it, it, the NL East is making a run for it for sure, and uh, we'll see where the two big fish go. But just to put a cap on the Patrick Corbin thing, I, I think that this deal is insane. Uh, six years, even the Yankees and Phillies. The Phillies said they would spend stupid money, quote unquote, this off season, and they they weren't willing to go more than five on Corbin. And the reason why is because after the Tommy John, like his velocity was all over the place this year. And when his velocity went down, Jeff Sullivan wrote this, he, his velocity went down, his strikeouts went down. And I just, it's going to be, I think we're going to look back on this as one of the worst contracts in baseball in a few years, six years, 140. The fact that it's more than Darvish, like you said, and we saw what Dar- happened with Darvish last year, just a total disaster. I, I hate this move, honestly, for the Nats, and especially if it precludes them from getting Harper back, which we, I do think it will. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's one of those things that can really set a franchise back down the line. Yeah, he's also 29, too, so you got yeah. six years at, at 29 and a half. Uh, right. So. Yeah, it does reek a little bit of desperation and from a team that yes. kind of has to be desperate, I would say. I mean, this probably is their last push to try to win now, and I I don't know that it necessarily gets them over the hump, especially when you're in a division with so many great offensive teams. I just, you know, I think we could see a dip in his numbers. And I, I agree, and I think your point is well taken on the desperation. I mean, I think what happened was they looked at their outfield with Robles and Soto and Eaton and Michael Taylor – and they looked at how much they were going to have to spend on Harper and the fact that it was maybe a 50-50 shot at them keeping him, probably less when you look at how much the Phillies were going to give, and the fact that they were going to have to wait. And by waiting, they would lose them. They would lose out on Corbin, and they would lose out on some other guys that they obviously liked, including like Kurt Suzuki and the trade for Jan Gomes and stuff like that. And so they basically were like, listen, we'll throw out our original offer to Harper if he wants to come back, great. If not, we're, we're out, but we're not going to lose out on these other guys. 
and that is in itself it is inherently you know risky and and desperate and i think that you're absolutely right about that yeah well they they definitely are you know trying to cling on to the hope that they maybe could get somewhere in the playoffs because they haven't been able to do it in recent years we'll see how corbin mm-hmm. does in washington uh Anshu, i know we talked about your coaches being no good or at least not being able to keep their jobs. It's been a rough go. You've had McCarthy fired recently. Joel Quinville was fired this year from your Blackhawks. I know you're a huge hockey guy. And uh, the latest of your coaches to be let go uh, was Fred Hoiberg. So Hoiberg obviously not getting things done for Chicago. Was kind of put in a tough spot, if you ask me. I mean, you were asked to rebuild a team, and you know they brought in a couple guys like Zach Levine and, and uh, you know, Chris Dunn, who's been injured a lot of the time they've had him. Laurie Markinen was out most of the year to begin the year this year. But I just I was I thought this was a weird hire for the Bulls from the get go, and I'm surprised that he was able to keep his job as long as he did. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he they hire him because of the Bulls' famous uh, connection to Ames, Iowa. That's where they got Tim Floyd years ago. Uh, Gar Foreman, the Bulls, like sort of GM is from there as well and they obviously poached Hoiberg I actually was excited about Hoiberg at the time I mean it was very obvious it was almost a joke how obvious it was that the Bulls are going to go after him because of the Iowa State thing but you know he was fine I, and I you know I think the problem was they stuck him with crap like I mean they did the three alphas BS with Rondo and Wade and Butler and Butler handcuffed the team for so long and Rose handcuffed them too for like a half year they had injuries and then finally when they were rebuilding and and you know Fred Hoiberg was able to kind of institute his own style like they were last year they were tanking and then this year the Bulls clearly just left him out to dry until Markkanen was out until Markkanen returned the first game Markkanen gets back he gets fired because he's 5 and 19 with this garbage backup squad so I think it was a calculated move by Gar Foreman and John Paxson to you know to fire him to bring in this other guy who they like who again this is John Paxson's fifth hire as a as GM which is insane considering how bad the Bulls have been and how not close to a title they've been. Um, they And, you know, it, it just – I think he got a raw deal. I think you're right. He should have gotten this season with Markkinen, with these other guys. And the reality is now that Markkinen's back, now that Dunn's back, now that they're going to have Denzel Valentine in a little bit, you know, their their record is going to be better, and it's going to look like Jim Boylan did it, when in reality we, we know – um, that, you know, it's because of these players. So I, I do think Hoiberg got a raw deal. The upside for him is he's going to go back to college and get his pick of pretty much any job he wants back there. How much do you hate this Chicago Bulls front office? Dude, oh, my <laughs> God. So much. It's like, you know, when I hear you talk about the Bengals, that's how I feel about the Bulls. They're so just – they've just tripped over themselves into a couple awesome picks, like truly gotten so lucky. I, and – like even going back to Derrick Rose, they just they they had seven to one. They had the seventh best odds, like three percent to get the top pick, and they get Derrick Rose in a one-player draft. I mean, it's they just got they've gotten so lucky over and over again. They've made like zero good trades. I mean, the marketing one looks good, but it's only because they traded up and marketing was clearly the seventh best player in that draft. He it it's mind-numbing that these two idiots still have a job like I, i'm truly stunned um and the whole you know it's a clown show the whole nba knows it nba twitter just rips the bulls apart i mean they have potential and talent but they just these idiots running the show are screwing them over down the line so it is what it is yeah I, as an outsider looking in i mean yikes I, I i'm used to having a horrible front office but this team has been mismanaged for quite a few years and it's hard to watch even as an outsider just living here in chicago 
Uh, Dan, let's talk about Markel Fultz. Probably the last time. I think we're we're getting to the point now where we're talking about Fultz almost as we talked about Shohei Otani uh, last year during the baseball <laughs> season. But Fultz, Fultz was officially diagnosed now with thoracic outlet syndrome, which clearly has affected his shot, but he's out at least three to six weeks. Uh, it, this situation just keeps getting weirder and weirder. There were rumors that he was going to be traded, which we addressed here on the show. Uh, what do you make of the injury now coming to light? And what do you make of Markel Fultz's future in Philadelphia? It's just, who is diagnosing him? Do they have some of the Mets staff working for the Sixers? Like, why did it take so long to figure this out? It just doesn't. It doesn't make sense that you he's been had such an issue for so long and his shots look so ugly for so long and just not being able to figure it out. It's just how how do you not diagnose this? Like in theory, you have some of the best doctors in the world working for you. I, I don't get what um, you know what took so long to figure this all out. But uh, you know if he's been in trade rumors, do I think he can resurrect his career? Probably not, uh, but with where the Cavs are currently, uh, I'd take a shot. Okay. Aren't you anything to add on Fultz? Um, yeah, I mean, I talked to Chris about this earlier. He he thinks that, you know, this is a salvageable situation. I personally, when I saw this, I don't want to be a total contrarian this whole episode, but, like, I I've thought it was complete BS. I thought it was made up. Like, I mean – are you going to tell me that a year – this is – his shot has been off for a year and a half. Like, oh, suddenly the 12th doctor he looks at diagnoses him with thoracic outlet syndrome? Like, are you going to tell me this wasn't the case a year and a half ago when they first – when he was first having issues and had to be benched for like half a season? No. Like, it, it, like it's, it's mental, I think. And Chris's theory is that something happened like either – he had a bad bike injury or something happened where like him and his agent didn't want to disclose it to the team. That actually makes more sense than the idea. He had some weird undiagnosed physical thing that just now got called out. So um, I think, I think it's mostly mental, maybe a little physical, mostly mental branching off that. And he needs to go, he needs to get traded and, you know, maybe he can salvage careers somewhere else, but I would not trade like uh, unprotected first or anything by any means for him. I wouldn't trade any valuable assets for him. I think he's a bust. I think I said this when we first started talking about, you know, where where, where do we go with this whole Fultz situation? I just, I mean, I, I also never liked Fultz from the get go, but I, I think it's pretty clear he's just not gonna he's he's not gonna be successful in this league. That's at least my thoughts on it. Obviously, he's still very young. And somebody's going to be willing to at least take a shot on a former first overall pick, but I just don't see it. I, I don't. I don't see him in his even style of play working in the league the way it is today. I just don't. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, moving on. We're going to talk real quick NFL stuff. There's just a couple moves I wanted to touch on. Um, this one's not huge news, but it is interesting because the Bills went out of their way to trade for Kelvin Benjamin last year, and he's only 27. Uh, and the thing that, that I wanted to talk about with this Kelvin Benjamin cutting was that he's he's only 27, and they, they went out to trade for him, but they've also had some pretty poor quarterback play since Bell, uh, Benjamin's been there. So, uh, Dan, do you do you see anything with this? I mean, does Benjamin have an opportunity to land somewhere? They also release Andre Holmes. Uh, so this, this Bills team, you know, who's not necessarily one of their strong points as a receiver position, uh, making a couple significant moves here as the season winds down. Yeah, definitely has a chance to land somewhere else. The NFL loves second chances, or in this case, you know, maybe third or fourth chance. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, absolutely, he's still – just 
athletically a freak. I know the production hasn't been there uh, outside of maybe one season where he kind of turned it on, but this is, this is a guy who has all the physical tools if he can get his head right. And uh, you know, if, if the NFL is going to keep giving Josh Gordon chance after chance after chance, uh, you know, no reason why you can't give that same chance to somebody else. Aren't you? I mean, Benjamin's one of his biggest problems has been his locker room presence. I mean, I know he didn't get along well with Ron Rivera and and Carolina or Cam Newton for that matter. I don't know that at least it hasn't been reported that that was the issue here in Buffalo, but also his weight seems to be up from what it was earlier in his career. And it's definitely slowed him down a bit. I mean, I would love to see the Bengals go out and take a chance on Benjamin and see what he could do the rest of the year, but I know they won't because the Bengals would never do such a thing. But I mean, some <laughs> team that's got, you know, got to still a shot here toward the end of the year. I mean, this is a guy who was a number one receiver for multiple teams now. And uh, I think he could still provide, you know, at least some red zone uh, looks for a contender. Yeah. I mean, I could never compare him to Josh Gordon just on town. I mean, maybe years ago, he was somewhat similar talent-wise and certainly that productive. But you're right, his weight issues are obviously a huge problem. I would, um, no exaggeration, I would try to build him into a tight end at this point. I mean, he's six, what he's six five, two fifty, probably, maybe two sixty. That. And that's definitely big enough to be a tight end. And he's, you know, he's got moves. He's just, he's just a fat lard now. Like there's a famous clip of him before the game, before a game this year where Josh Allen asked him to run routes and he just refused to do it. I mean, like what a bad teammate, you know, like, and you know, Cam Newton, of course, got in a little battle with him before a game earlier this season. Like, I, I don't know. I, I would not touch this dude, but I, I do think that he's definitely got talent and, uh, I would understand a team, you know, potentially trying him as, like you said, maybe a red zone only type, but he's he's garbage. Yeah, I mean, his first two years with Carolina, he plays in all 16 games. He's got over 1,000 yards in his uh, 2014 season, over 900 in 2016, and he has 16 touchdowns just in those two years. And since then, his production has just absolutely fallen off. So, yeah, it's, it, I, I hope he lands somewhere. Obviously, I, you know, he's a guy who – I remember as the hero of the national championship when Florida State beat Auburn, uh, and he caught that that game-winning touchdown. And he was he was a super thin, athletic, big guy at that time. And now he's he looks like like you said he looks like a a big lumbering tight end. Maybe that would be an interesting. I don't think he would want to do it, but that would be an interesting uh, situation if somebody would be able to convince him that that was the best move for his career. So we'll see. We'll see with Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he does land somewhere. Uh, let's get to, oh, by the way, the Thursday night game this week is kind of a dumper. No no offense to my brother, who is a Titans fan. I think that they'll win that one. Um, but, Anji, why don't you start us off with, oh, by the way? Uh, who knows, man? He, he might – I don't know. They might lose. They're, they're weird this year. Um, yeah, so the Packers obviously have the McCarthy situation, but Winston Moss is fired tonight. Their linebacker slash uh, uh, associate head coach – because he went on Twitter and uh, basically told Packer fans to be careful what they wish for, said that real leaders are hard to find, basically, and specifically called out number 12, obviously Aaron Rodgers. Um, so he obviously later in the uh, in the evening gets canned by interim coach Joe Philbin. I didn't know Joe Philbin could hire and fire coaches while being interim, but he can. And uh, just a really weird and bad look for Winston Moss. I'm not sure if it's a bad look for the Packers or not, I guess we'll see what these last four games bear out. But uh, just a weird, it's been a weird week for a Packer fan because things are usually so conservative and like 
there's not much going on. So a wild evening for us. Yeah, it's going to get wilder. You're going to have a little bit of a coaching carousel coming up here very soon on you. I, I know you're excited about it in a way, but uh, part of that, uh, I am. Yeah, yeah there's there's a bit of, a bit of excitement in uh, in uh, hopefully in Cincinnati in the next ten years when Marvin Lewis finally passes away. Mayo, by the Mayo, by the way, tonight is uh, is based on uh, Colin Kaepernick actually. So the Washington Redskins, after Colt McCoy goes down with a broken leg. In Monday night's loss this this week, Mark Sanchez comes in. Actually looked pretty good on the first drive, and then he looked like the Mark Sanchez of old, who uh, is not a very good quarterback. It sounds like the Redskins considered bringing in Colin Kaepernick. They opted not to, and uh, Jay Gruden came out and said that the skill set did not fit right with the Redskins. And it poses the question at this point, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks go down, and we've seen a lot of really bad backups getting significant playing time starting games like Nick Mullins, Jeff Driscoll, multiple other quarterbacks who have seen extended playing time. And I actually am ready to say it's probably, if you're basing it on football alone, probably time to give Kaepernick another shot. I actually, as a Bengals fan, would not be mad if they brought him in and had him start the last few games this season. And, I I mean, Eric Reed got another chance. He's playing in Carolina now. Uh, I think that this, you know, protesting thing is at least behind us for now. And if there's, you know, if you're a team that that is talking to Kaepernick and, you know, the discussion maybe is around the the protest and there's some type of a mutual understanding there, I I would assume that that somebody should give him a shot just based on the, the lack of, talent at the quarterback position in the league right now and I know there's been a lot of reports that he's staying in football shape and wants a shot uh so I I just I just found that interesting uh it's not the first time we've heard teams saying that they're considering him but every time there seems to be some reason uh that it's not a good fit so I just found that a little bit interesting hearing the R words uh talking about Kaepernick what about you Dan what do you got uh, so I will keep on the theme that we've gone through this whole show of lots of hatred. Uh, so for a team I hate, the Pittsburgh Steelers, love it. Uh, some some bad news. Uh, James Conner out this week, and it's actually looking like that injury is a little bit more serious than what we expected uh, coming off of it on Sunday night. Bye, loser. Uh, so, it, so it's now a sprain <laughs> uh, and not a contusion. So I don't know how you get that wrong uh, in the initial diagnosis but now looking like a sprain so who knows how long he will be out for we'll keep you guys updated yeah in all honesty though connor great story and that's that's too bad to see him go down but as a interdivision fan i am happy to see him go down and uh i, I love it i hope the steelers lose out uh that's gonna do it for the leftovers it's it's hump day get back to your day enjoy it uh, for Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer, before I say it, do you guys have anything left for the good of the group? No, sir. This has been The Leftovers. I'm Josh Dunn.